to Connections Radio Show, where we talk about ideas that matter. I'm glad you've made the connection and are with us today. I'm Lori Fitz, your host, and the goal of our show is to explore a wide range of topics that challenge us to see ourselves, our community, and the world around us that get us thinking, get us wondering, get us talking, get us connected, and perhaps even inspired or challenged to do something a bit more because we made the connection. So our topic today is exploring peace, and I have some wonderful uh, dream weavers that are with me today that are all doing peace work in our community. The topic that they've chose for us to talk about is how do we look at rehumanizing, not dehumanizing, and how can we rehumanize for peace? So I have Mark Ristow, who is the author of A Hero Dreams and the forthcoming Beyond the Threshold. Yes, that's right. Welcome, Mark. It's always a joy to have you here. Thank you, Lori Beth. And I also have Kate Toll, who is the author, facilitator. She's done peace literacy. at the. She's on that national committee. She's also on the steering committee for our Twin Cities Nonviolent. And she's a community weaver and has recently given a program for law enforcement looking at trauma and peace. Thank you. It's good to be here, Lori. Kate, it's always a joy. You have so many good ideas to bring. And we also have Antonia Wilcoxon. She is now with the Community Engagement. Uh, She's a specialist um, as a community engagement for Ramsey County. She works with both the social service and the public health for public schools. So good to have you here. You're still doing good work for the state, but they're they're loaning you out all over. And right now you're with Ramsey County. Thank you, Laurie. It's great to be here. So as we're looking at peace and as we're looking at rehumanizing, uh, why don't we start with what do you mean by rehumanizing? Give me your definitions of what rehumanization is all about. And I'm getting this motion from Kate to have our friend Mark or Antonio say something. So feel free. Well, I can speak to it from my perspective, which is that of an author who wrote Mm -hmm. a fictional account of a young boy who experienced childhood trauma. And his experience in the world is one that is very dehumanized in that he encounters situations at a summer camp involving really quite awful violence, bullying, and even physical violence. And so all he knows is the dehumanized world. But deep in his heart and in his soul, he knows there's something else out there. And, and But he doesn't know how to make that connection. So to bridge that gap from being in a state of trauma to a state of, of humanization requires that we reach out to others. And that's what this little boy does. So for me anyway... Rehumanization is about um, reaching out to others, um, seeing each other, hearing each other, and living in a state of, uh, of inquiry rather than judging the experience or judging the other person, being willing to look at it with an open heart and a questioning heart. It sounds like from what I hear you say is that dehumanization creates more isolation. Absolutely. And that there's not a connection, there's not a community. And and to rehumanize is almost to allow you to feel comfortable in being curious in community. Right, because community, it's not nearly as... as well-defined as we would like to think. It's really about honoring each other's differences. So if you took a quilt, my mom is a quilter, if you took a beautiful quilt or a tapestry and you just tore out part of it, uh, and you, and you, you know, that, that whole part was just ripped out, it would lose a lot of its beauty because each one of us brings our square to the quilt. Rehumanizing means that we see ourselves in the web of inextricable human connection. So we're patching the quilt? Exactly. Well, another piece of that metaphor is if you look at the quilt, or the tapestry rather, from the outside, it's very beautiful and everything appears to be in a state of of order. If you turn around, there are loose threads. Mm -hmm. And so I think part of rehumanizing is being willing to hold that balance and to honor the loose threads. And not necessarily, not necessarily judge the loose threads or the chaos as as bad or even good. 
it just is. Mm-hmm. So again, it's about opening our heart to the experience. Antonia, I've got a question for you. When we look at rehumanizing or dehumanizing, there's those that withdraw and they become silent. And then there's those that are silenced. How would you explore that in terms of dehumanizing and rehumanizing? I view my work doing community engagement often about making a space so voices that are often silenced by power, by all the isms that exist in our world, and by being marginalized. They are voices that are seldom at the table. Somebody else is speaking for them. Mm -hmm. Somebody else is making decisions on their behalf. So community engagement for me is really bringing humanity into the fold. How do I honor somebody from an indigenous culture who is at the table, is a storyteller, and needs more than the three minutes allotted for each one of us, and not interrupt that storyteller? And how do I, as Mark said, make space for differences to emerge? Because that quilt becomes much more beautiful when we really expand our perspective and are not very concerned about the texture of the fabric, the color, they make. Does it have to match? Silk, yeah. it may be another yeah. kind of fabric. So that is, I think, how do we humanize? Because that's, I think, our vocation. We are human beings. But some things are stealing our humanity from us. So how do we... Um, and Kate, well, you, you have back. Oh. Kate, I, you, that, your, your quilt. Kate is here. At the I'm, end. Come I'm, back to your quilt, Kate. I'm, I'm jazzed. I'm ready to stitch. <laughs> and and um, hearing Antonia speak, um, one of the things that strikes me is that in a culture where we colonized our indigenous people, and we. We built our wealth as a country on the backs of people who were enslaved and not viewed as full human beings. We have this narrative also with our immigrants, that our immigrant uh, people, that we expect them to quote-unquote assimilate into our culture. And I view that as an act of dehumanizing because I believe that we need to embrace a process of authentic integration that allows everybody to bring their full cultural assets to the quilt. That means that they're not going to give up their, their power, their talents, their voice. They're going to enrich the fabric of the quilt with their with their cultural assets. Mark. And I, I think it's impossible to do that unless we are willing to give up this us versus them mentality that we carry around with us. And it's I think it's even deeper than a belief. It's actually the lens through which we view the world. We think of ourselves as a separate other. Rather than looking at this quilt as an integrated whole and that each of us is an essential part of that, I think that's really important that we, first of all, become aware of the fact that we're looking through the world through through a lens of us versus them. And, again, start to ask the question, how would my world begin to change or evolve if I were to let go of that just for a moment and, and, and accept the quilt or the immigrant people's or, or those who have been the sufferers of trauma as they are, and not necessarily try to fix them, but allow them to be and let them tell their stories. There is a, a feeling, especially in our tribal uh, society that we've got right now, and partisan, that there's a scarcity mentality, that if we don't have enough, so if someone comes, they'll take something away from me. And how do we move from that scarcity fear because somehow we're being threatened into an abundance mentality? The idea that, that life is a zero-sum game yeah. and in order for me to succeed, someone else has to fail. That's so or, much a part of... Or, or that we just have so much so that our pie is only right. so big. So if someone dares take a piece of that pie, I'm going to have a smaller piece instead of enlarging the pie. My piece needs to be defended at all costs right. rather than... Right. The idea that if I share, it actually does contribute to an abundance mentality. 
Go ahead, Antonia. Um, in my work around disparities reduction and really bringing equity, health mm-hmm. equity, racial equity, mm-hmm. um, I love to read uh, John Powell's work around targeted universalism, in which he gives examples that sometimes people think that if we have become equal, there is going to be that zero-sum game. I need to give up something in order for the other person to gain. Mm-hmm. But he gave examples, for example, when ADA, uh, the um, American with Disability Act, um, came about, and we had to change the curb in the corner of our streets. And that was supposedly so people on wheelchair could have a better access to crossing the street. But if you observe a corner and you're going to see who benefits from that curb that is lowered, it's the skater, (laughs) it's somebody with a baby in a stroller, it's indeed the person on a wheelchair. Absolutely. And he, in his latest writings, is really talking about that connection, that we are interconnected, that as much as we try to separate ourselves, Mm -hmm. we have much more in common than we know or then we want to admit so i think that is the beauty of it that ultimately that's where we are going to land that it's not really that scarce after all well we're going to continue our conversation um we'll be looking at rehumanizing through what has happened with trauma and how do we cope with some of the chaos that we all are facing? I think we're all facing a certain amount of trauma in this new place we're at with our country. And where do we go from here? So more good discussion. Stay tuned. We'll be back after a few announcements. I'm Peter Rackler from the Eastside Freedom Library, and I'd like to tell you about an historic place on Payne Avenue. Brunson's Pub is a place where history and passion are a part of every detail, starting with the menu. The Payne-Phelan neighborhood arose from Dakota people who lived here for hundreds of years and pioneering immigrant communities, Irish, Swedes, German, and Italians, who made the East Side their home. More recently, waves of new residents from Asia, Latin America, and Africa continue the rich immigrant history and are revitalizing the community's cultural life and economy. Come experience Brunson's Pub at 956 Payne Avenue and grab a discounted gift card when you mention that you're an AM950 listener or a supporter of the Eastside Freedom Library. Be sure to check out Brunson'sPub.com. Habitation Furnishing and Design is simply the best furniture design studio in the Twin Cities. What is a furniture design studio? It's a place where you'll find professional interior designers who are there to help you select the perfect furniture, a single sofa, or an entire home. Our designers love making spaces exceptional. When you're shopping for furniture, it makes sense to talk to a professional. Habitation Furnishing and Design, 4317 Excelsior Boulevard in St. Louis Park. Do yourself a favor and check out the amazing cuisine of EatLocalMinnesota.com. More than just a website, EatLocalMinnesota.com provides you with the best local and independently owned restaurants in the Twin Cities. The award-winning Hazel's Northeast combines the feel of a small-town diner with the vibrant nature of its Northeast Minneapolis neighborhood. Whether it's breakfast, lunch, weekend brunch, or dinner, their classically inspired and creatively prepared American comfort food is always made from scratch. Hazel's Northeast at 29th and Johnson in Northeast Minneapolis. EatLocalMinnesota.com The dedicated staff at Nightingale Restaurant take pride in presenting a thoughtful and delicious approach to food and drink, whether you're visiting for dinner, happy hour, or brunch. Their focus on made-from-scratch meals using sustainable and local ingredients is likely to make Nightingale your go-to spot for inspired food and drinks. Nightingale, Lindell and 26th in Minneapolis. Due to unprecedented corporate media consolidation, roughly six corporations now dominate the media. For democracy to work, people need easy access to independent and diverse sources of news and information. I'm Amy Goodman. Join me and Juan Gonzalez as we speak with international journalists, grassroots leaders, peace activists, artists, academics, and independent analysts. Democracy Now! offers real, independent news and analysis. Catch Democracy Now! every weekday at 2 p.m. on AM 950, the progressive voice of Minnesota. 
Connections Radio Show, where we talk about ideas that matter. I'm Laurie Fitz, your host, and today our topic is exploring peace, and we're looking at rehumanizing. What does that mean? How do we compare that to dehumanizing? And what is its relationship to peace? So we've got some great folks. These are our dream weavers uh, that do shows with us that come together to talk about peace and concepts. I have authors and facilitators and smart people. I have Mark Ristow, who is the author of A Hero Dreams and the forthcoming book uh, he's now working on, Beyond the Threshold. Welcome, Mark. Thank you, Lori. I also have Kate Toll, who is an author, a facilitator. She is on the Peace Literacy National Committee. She's also on our Twin Cities Steering Committee for Nonviolent. And she's also a community weaver, gives wonderful programs. Welcome. We're so glad you're here, Kate. Thank you. Good to be here. And Antonia Wilcoxon, who works for our Minnesota State. And right now she has got the opportunity to be a community engagement specialist for the Ramsey County Social Service and the Public Health for Public Schools. Good to have you here. So we were talking in our first segment looking at what do we mean by rehumanization, by rehumanizing, uh, what's the inclusion of bringing people together in the process. And it is a community healing, isn't it, that we're really looking at? It is a community healing. It is. Tell me more about what that and means we, to well, you. Well, were, we were talking about uh, scarcity of resources and... I think um, it's been very instructive to me to participate in a series of conversations uh, at the Minnesota Chippewa Tribe Building with, the, uh, with Mark Anderson, the director of the Barbara Schneider Foundation to decriminalize mental illness, mm-hmm. and um, indigenous elder Lemoyne Lapointe, and to talk about how Everything is our relative. We all are connected in this inextricable web, including birds and trees and animals. They are our relatives. Metakue Owasing. All my relations. And so so the healing, I believe, asks us to get back to that deep awareness that we are all one, not just with each other as humans, but also with our planet and the animals and the, the you know, things in nature that are here with us. We, There's so much not honoring right now when we don't believe in climate change and we don't take responsibility for the toxins that we've exposed our earth to and that we've hurt our our animal brothers and sisters and our uh, plants and and that we're we're living some of those consequences of not being at peace and i'm going to i'm going to jump out on a limb here and say that denying climate change is very similar to denying trauma mm-hmm. and we have to be stewards trauma stewards and climate stewards in order to heal earlier you were sharing about trauma Antonia and looking at I loved your groan zone <laughs> tell me about the groan zone well um when I'm facilitating discussions in the community, and because my work centers around equity, around looking at disparities, and really trying to understand why do they exist and how do they manifest in the different groups who experience inequities, it's very easy to enter into a discussion in which we have a million ideas, so to speak. And that is all that emergence of ideas and wisdom and voices, which is very rich and quite valuable. But at some point in our discussion, we need to prioritize, so to speak. We Mm -hmm. need to decide which way are we going after this discussion. That can lead to conflict. And that is where the so-called grown zone really reigns. Wait a minute. I like the brainstorming (laughs) where everything was on there, but now we have to decide. When you have to decide, and I want my idea to prevail over Mm -hmm. yours, then we kind of lose sight that we are indeed related and that there is a higher purpose here, why we are together and why this topic is at the center of the table. 
But we know that it's out of those discussions, those disagreements, and those really diverse and opposing ideas that there is the richness that we are then going to converge around a product that I feel is so much better had we not had those discussions, had we not challenged each other to say, I think this is what we should do, and then somebody else, but you have not heard my side yet, mm -hmm. and we need to make space for that. That's holding the tension in a way that it's believing that it's going to create something bigger and better and richer. And to start a meeting with the sense that what our goal is, is to create something that's bigger, allows, I think, the tension to be held in a different way? Very much so. We establish what, mm -hmm. how are we going to enter in this two-hour discussion? Okay. What are some of the things that we agree we are going to do ahead of time mm -hmm. so that we stay within what my friend calls a nest Mm. that can hold all of that tension, can hold all of the divergent mm -hmm. ideas, right. but know that ultimately we are all focused on a higher purpose. And you'll never have everyone be 100% with every idea, oh, no. but how can you weigh your support so that if, if it may not be the best that you may think, right. but if it may be the best for the group, to have agreement, how can you lower expectations from an us and them? And in some instances, what we can agree is that I may not agree a hundred percent on this, and that has been in policy making right. and some bills that we had to have community input. But I can live with it, right? And that's kind of the respect that one can really lower their guards and say, "This is for the benefit of the greater good." of uh, the larger group rather than my own individual opinion. It takes courage. Yes. It takes a lot of humility. And it does take understanding of what is at play here? Why does somebody feel so strongly about this or that idea? And what's the greater good, ultimately, that, that all can benefit by? Exactly. Yes. But holding tension is hard, isn't it, Mark? Well, I, I was just thinking as I was listening to Antonia that uh, there, there's, there are some competing tensions here. One of them is um, creating a safe space in which it's it's acceptable to speak up. And each of us is responsible for speaking our minds and our hearts. But another really important, profound piece for me as I listened to you was that it, it's we need to understand that it's not so important for us to be married to our point of view mm -hmm. and that brings in that idea of me versus you this is my point of view and somehow that's more important than the collective good and and in order to find whatever that collective good might be i think part of it is embracing uncertainty and mystery but also be willing to give up our attachment to our point of view because it's not about our point of view as an individual it's more about can we create community by sharing ideas and again being willing to embrace the mystery and the uncertainty of it mm -hmm. i think that there's self-awareness that one needs to bring to a collaboration of who you are and once you've done that you can sometimes be able to see that there are other points of view not always but if you can go to that next level where there's some cross-cultural understandings and recognizing that different cultures have different awareness and different ways of looking at the world. How can we benefit from that and not be afraid of it and not have to fight for our culture over that culture? Um, many things to talk about. And of course, we're all done with this segment. <laughs> but we have two more segments to go. So stay with us because we're having a wonderful conversation looking at how do we connect, which is all part of the Connections Radio Show. We'll be right back. This is Chad, owner of AM950, here to tell you about Snap Construction. They're experts in roofing, siding, window, and insurance restoration. They have energy-efficient products available for both residential and commercial properties. This spring, when we needed a company to take a look at a problem with our roof, I called the company I knew I could trust, Snap Construction. I've known Ryan, the owner at Snap Construction, for years, so I knew I could trust him. Don't just take my word for it. 
check out their reviews online. They are arguably the most well-reviewed exterior contractor online in the metro area. Over the years, Ryan has always said the same thing to me about his work. If we build it, shouldn't we be held accountable for the work indefinitely? He backed that statement up years ago when Snap Construction was a pioneer in offering a lifetime craftsmanship guarantee on all their work. For a free estimate or general questions, call the locally owned company AM950 Trusts, Snap Construction at 612-333-SNAP. That's 612-333-SNAP or find them online at snapconstruction.com. They have financing options available. I'm Connie Burek, co-host of Awakened Living Infusion Radio Show. Join Michelle Kitzmiller and I as we focus on all aspects of health, wellness, spirituality, and growth from a mind, body, spirit, emotion perspective. On the Awakened Living Radio Show, we will discuss stress, self-care, fear, happiness, beliefs, communication, joy, pain, trauma, and more. Join us for the Awakened Living Infusion radio show Saturdays at 10 a.m. Let us share with you ways to infuse vitality into life. Hello, Twin Cities listeners. Tom Hartman here. Join me for a talk on Saturday, June 29th at Next Chapter Booksellers. That's at 38 South Snelling Avenue. It's at 7 p.m. Mass shootings are on the rise. So what's holding the U.S. back from enacting change? The Hidden History of Guns in the Second Amendment, my new book, is an in-depth, historically informed view of the role guns have played throughout American history. From early European settlement to the Revolutionary War and Manifest Destiny, through the use of the slave patrols in the Deep South, which became the well-regulated militias so debated in 1787, to the recent school massacres. Plus, I'll talk solutions and sign books. In fact, a whole spectrum of my books. So if you have questions, come. We'll be doing a Q&A. Put it on your calendar. Saturday, June 29th at 7 p.m. Join me at Next Chapter Booksellers, 38 South Snelling Avenue. Look forward to seeing you there and bring your questions. Tag, you're it. This is New Beginnings, hosted by award-winning broadcaster and speaker, Freddie Bell. Freddie, this generation of the baby boomers, people are living longer, so the baby boomers are taking care of elderly parents. Let's talk about your health, and specifically, let's talk about Medicare. Our show features the concerns of America's 78 million baby boomers in employment, finance, health and nutrition, and even entertainment. Catch New Beginnings with Freddie Bell, Saturdays at 11 on AM 950, the progressive voice of Minnesota. With your AM 950 weather, I'm Brett Johnson. Look for sunny skies today with a high near 92. Tonight, partly cloudy with a low around 74. Sunday, a chance for rain with a high near 93. And Monday, rain with a high around 83. Your roof and siding are the most visible parts of your home, so get them clean with Blue Sky Services starting at only $447. Their safe soft wash method won't cause any damages and will make your home look like new. They're bonded, insured, well-trained, and experienced. Call 651-447-4484 or visit blueskyservices.com. Radio show. So glad you've made the connection. You're with us today. We're talking about peace and we're talking about rehumanizing. What does that mean? And what does that look like? And what, what do we need to be holding in our hearts and our minds and our discussions to allow uh, there to be a greater sense of peace for all of us? Um, a lot of stresses out there, a lot of tensions, a lot of conflict. Um, how do we how do we build something bigger? And I've got some great people who are talking about that with me today, uh, who are the Dream Weavers. They are co-producers of this show. And if you want to go to our connections, radiomn.com, you can go on our community producers and learn more about the work that they do together in their um, collaboration for peace. And we have Mark Ristow, who is the author of A Hero Dreams, and he's working on Beyond the Threshold. That's right. So Beyond the Threshold is actually a follow-up. A con- well, I should say a continuation of the story of Ricky Williamson, who was the boy I talked about earlier, who experienced childhood trauma. Mm-hmm. And in book two, we get to see what happens when he's able to dig deep down inside and find the courage to embrace uncertainty, to embrace ambiguity, and to cross the threshold into this other world. And there's this promise that the other world's going to be better. But in order to cross the threshold, we have to be willing to leave behind that which is comfortable, familiar, understood, understandable, 
and embrace something else. And that something else is where all the good stuff is. And when he gets there, he uh, experiences not necessarily Shangri-La, but there's, there's obstacles. But having dug deep into his heart, he's able to um, deal with them in a way that's powerful. And navigate. And to rely on his heart, not necessarily his mind, and in that journey. Kate, you're also working on a book. We have Kate Tolkien. I am, and my book involves thresholds as well. I have just finished a novel called The Sweet Burden of Crossing. And it's the story of how a young woman's father his work in the civil rights movement and his his best friend who was black inspired his daughter to pursue an interracial friendship and so they, they uh and and so the book deals with many thresholds as as the young women bond together over the trauma that each of them has experienced in their separate lives and Kate Toll is not only an author, but she's also part of the Peace Literacy National Committee. She's on the steering committee here in the Twin Cities for Nonviolent, and she is a community weaver. We also have Antonia Wilcoxon, who works for our Minnesota State. She is now doing work with as a community engagement specialist in Ramsey County. She works with both the social service and public health for public schools. Thank you, Laurie. And we've been having a conversation about rehumanizing we've looked at how some some of uh, our community members feel silenced or go silent uh, how do we recover and engage those voices we also in our last segment talked about trauma how there can be chaos uh, what does that chaos look like and how do we go from chaos to collaboration what's our capacity to hold tension and bring people together and in that, I'd like to continue with, how do we better call people in? Um, what does that look like? Uh, how, how do we do that invitation? Who wants to share first on their sense of invitation? I think um, when I first started um, doing community engagement, primarily to address um, inequities that certain ex, uh, communities experienced. Um, people didn't know me, so I knew that my work had to be quite heavily on relationship-based. Mm-hmm. Um, how do I meet that person? How do I engage in visits that may be over a cup of coffee, that may be over attending an engagement or a gathering that their agency is sponsoring? But always with the goal that ultimately I'd like to have that person come to a table, Mm -hmm. to a table that my agency was hosting for a discussion, to a table where we needed their wisdom and their experience, especially their lived experience, to inform our work. So it's um, a long term, but it needs to be intentional. Go ahead, Kate. And I think that calling in means that we find a way to meet people where they're at. We just had uh, author and national peace educator Paul K. Chappelle, who started the Peace Literacy National Committee that I serve on here in town. And one of the things we say is that um, we, we... would like to have a new understanding of peace. Make peace a little more sexy. <laughs> but but have it understood that peace is a competence. It's a skill set. So if, if we were to apply this to math, for example, you've got people who understand addition, subtraction, people who understand multiplication, division, people who understand fractions, people who understand geometry. And you can go all the way to trigonometry and algorithms. But if we're uh, working on a community effort and people are at the multiplication and division level and we're expecting them to do calculus, we're pushing them way beyond their development level and understanding. And if you had that happening in a classroom and you weren't differentiating that learning, you would have a classroom of very overwhelmed students. So we have to go to the development level of the people in our community. And we have to go, and, and, and that's not a hierarchy, by the way. 
we have to understand what they're teaching us. We have to go into community, not to transform it, but to be transformed. I hear you, but I also see that folks can go in with a point of view. And the point of view may not always be to learn, but to create an action, per se. Well, the point of view that I know better than you, right? which may not necessarily be a malevolent perspective, but more just convinced, I know better. But it's very colonizing. I'm, I'm a missionary mm-hmm. in the world, and I have a point of view to share with you, and it will make your life better. Not fully realizing that that's not taking into account the experience and the history of that individual with whom you're, you're speaking. It comes down to our truths. You know, what are our truths and how do we allow our truth, perhaps, to alter by being impacted by someone else? That can be scary, you know, to be vulnerable, to question into our own truth uh, and realize that another person's point of view may change us. We're not real comfortable with change. Go, go for it, Antonia. I, I, I really appreciate you stating that, uh, Mark, because my, the beginning of my work, um, I would say, you know, uh, I was at this meeting, and several people were curious about this program that my agency funds. They'd like to know what are the eligibility requirements? How does one enter into this program? And... That kind of request can be interpreted as that, okay, I'm the expert and I'm going to go and educate the community. Mm-hmm. And there is nothing wrong with education. There is nothing wrong with bringing information. But it needs to be a reciprocal effort that we are going to engage. We are not going to invite them to our offices, which can be quite sterile, in which we have some pieces of our work, but they really don't reflect any cultural group. But if we go in the community, the place where they feel comfortable, where they feel they can host us. And there's a trust. And there is a trust. And that we bothered, because I have heard this in community, oh, I'm so grateful that you bothered to come to us. Mm-hmm. And that then becomes a nice exchange, a collaborative, mm-hmm. an effort of partnership. Because there's a power differential coming into your office. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I think that when we go into community, we don't always know who we are and we aren't always clear about our needs. Mm -hmm. This is a culture where we have not been schooled about our needs. And it's not a negative thing to have needs and to have feelings. But we've been, we've internalized that it is. So when we, um, there's a difference between going into a group and colonizing and trying to impose our view on others. Leadership uh, author Meg Wheatley, Margaret Wheatley, she says, people don't resist change, they resist imposition. <laughs> and that's a guiding quote for me because uh, it makes me realize, you know, when we go in, as Mark said earlier, with query and curiosity and respect, and we listen to the needs of the people, then they're more likely to listen to our needs, and that becomes reciprocity. I think it's important for us to be aware of what our unspoken assumptions are. For example, I go into a conversation, and I might not even be aware of it, but I'm just assuming there's something wrong with you that I need to fix. And again, that might be something that that I'm well-intentioned about, but without the self-awareness that I'm going into this conversation using an assumption that's not going to serve either one of us very well, um, we're not going to reach the common ground, that that interwoven interconnection that we were talking about earlier. I think we need to explore what our assumptions are in order to be effective uh, dreamweavers. And exploring the assumptions may also be being willing to be uncomfortable. Absolutely. Uh, one, <laughs> I tell my friends, you know, I say, if we're going to go beyond our comfort zone, why the heck do we expect to feel comfortable? <laughs> we have to understand that we are going, we're, we're pioneering. We, uh, Frederick Nietzsche said it takes chaos within oneself to give birth to a dancing star. And 
we are creating a new society. We're working together in solidarity to create a whole new world. And we are pioneering, and we're going to carry that discomfort. I also think that uncomfortable could be a tension between wanting to be curious and also being afraid. Mm -hmm. And we are comfortable with what we know. We're uncomfortable with what we don't know because could we be in danger then? That fear of the unknown. Each of us is standing on our own personal threshold. There's something deep within us, and I think it's very primal that we want to step forward into the unknown. Yeah. But there's that tension where, <laughs> yeah, but it's I'm not familiar with it. It's and not I'm comfortable. Scared. So the you know we step back and then we step forward and then we step back again. But it's that tension that each of us as a human being is all too familiar with. Creative tension. Creative, Creative tension. tension. And yes. that's something we know well as writers, right, Mark? Absolutely. <laughs> and ultimately, how do we then choose, and and how does compassion play a role in that? for ourselves and for others. And we'll talk about more of that idea of compassion over judgment in our next segment. So stay with us. I'm Peter Rackler from the Eastside Freedom Library, and I'd like to tell you about an historic place on Payne Avenue, Brunson's Pub. Experience history and passion through the delicious menu, reflecting the East Side's diversity. The choices are limitless. Salads, sandwiches, burgers, and shareable plates. Visit Brunson's Pub at 956 Payne Avenue and grab a discounted gift card when you mention that you're an AM 950 listener or a supporter of the East Side Freedom Library. Be sure to check out Brunson'sPub.com. You're listening to AM 950, the progressive voice of Minnesota, the most informative source for progressive politics and news in the Twin Cities. Get involved online at am950radio.com, where you can sign up for our weekly newsletter, check out the local businesses that help make this content available, and stay up to date on the latest news and upcoming events. You can always reach us by email at comment at am950radio.com. That's comment at am950radio.com. Thanks for listening. Hi, this is Ken Hagland, host of Living Healthy and Aging Well, inviting you to listen to our new show airing on Saturdays from noon to one, where we talk about your health and your life and provide insights to living and aging well. Each week, we provide answers to important questions regarding health care, elder care, end-of-life care, and caregiver support to help you and your loved ones plan for the future and enjoy your highest quality of life today. Please join us every Saturday from noon to one for Living Healthy and Aging Well. Tom Hartman here letting you know how you can go solar with All Energy Solar, even way up north in Minnesota. Lots of people ask them, isn't Minnesota too cloudy for solar? No. The truth? For one thing, Minneapolis gets nearly as much sun each year as Houston, Texas. But it isn't just about how much sun you get. It's also about having access to great local incentive programs that make solar affordable. Learn what your options are to save with solar and visit allenergysolar.com today. Native Ritz Radio is proud to announce we've added an extra hour. Yeah, Chuchke, one hour goes by too fast. That's right, Uncle Curtis. I'll have extra time to share important information about our sacred animals. And report national and native news from all over the country and Canada. This new hour is sponsored by Robbins Kaplan LLP, dedicated to redefining excellence for high-stakes litigation representation in Indian country. We are awake Hello, fellow AM950 listeners. This is JJ from Nightingale at 26 in Lindale. Come experience our delicious signature dishes and exciting rotation of inventive seasonal fare for my wife and chef, Carrie, and her team. Nightingale is the perfect place to gather for any occasion with our extensive wine, beer, and cocktail selection, along with our dedication to great service. We offer a full menu every day from 4 to 1 a.m., two award-winning daily happy hours, and weekend brunch at 10. More at nightingalempls.com. Welcome back to Connections Radio Show. I'm Lori Fitz, your host. And we have our Dreamweavers, our co-producers of our Dreamweaver show. And that includes Mark Ristow, who is the author of A Hero Dreams. And he's working on his next book in that series, A Beyond the Threshold. Welcome, Mark. Thank you, Lori Beth. We have Kate Toll, who is an author, a facilitator. She serves on the National Peace Literacy Committee. She also serves on the Twin Cities uh, Steering Committee for Nonviolent, and she is a community weaver. 
Thank you. Good to be here. And Antonio, who works for the Minnesota State, is now um, specifically doing community engagement. And she's working in the Ramsey County area with both social service and public health for public schools. Thank you, Lori. We've had such a wonderful conversation looking at what does it mean to build community? Um, what is the difference between a dehumanization that causes silence and isolation, rehumanizing that's looking at a community healing, a community celebration of sorts, but bringing people together and having lots of different points of view. There can be cultural tensions and how do decisions get made and how do you deal with conflict and all of that. Um, in our, our last segment here, I, I'd love us to be able to talk about or continue our conversations about judgment um, and critical thinking. What does that mean? And Tanya, why don't you start to share a little bit about what you were um, sharing with us in break in terms of how awareness, the translation of awareness, uh, can be a deeper understanding. Thank you. Uh, My dissertation uh, out of the School of Education is on critical theory. And Paulo Freire uh, is someone from my country. He was um, in exile when I was growing up, so I was never able to read his books while in Brazil. So I was naturally attracted. And my work in community engagement is really the foundation for me is how do people gain agency? How do they become empowered? And mostly, how do they become critical thinkers if they are not for the most part, they are already because they know their reality. You talk about disparities. They know the lived experience of what that looks like, what that looks like for their neighbors. And what uh, I worked um, for several years is how do we move that community voice into a voice of empowerment that can influence policy making, mm-hmm. that it can influence decisions so that when we are writing a law, the law also has the uh, impact that it's going to have on the people um, at first and foremost, because sometimes, not intentionally, I believe, it does have the unintended consequences that nobody never thought it would. If a law is being made for a majority culture and uh, many other cultures points of view and beliefs and how decisions get made are not being considered, we can continue to ostracize. We can continue to silence. Absolutely. And that's why you insert equity lenses, protocols, Mm -hmm. that you ask who is this policy or this decision going to impact? Are there potential that this impact is going to be in a negative way? In a positive way, if positive health, can we enhance those? Negative, how can we diminish those? Or is this a good policy to advance? And that's King County um, out of uh, the state of uh, Washington that has really led this effort in terms of bringing equity in all the decisions that we make and make this assessment as an ongoing part of practice. I love the idea of lens of equity, you know, that that we're we're being very specific. Kate, you were sharing about um, respect and looking at universal respect, the elements of that. Absolutely. Um, On our Peace Literacy National Committee, we talk about the three elements of universal respect, understanding that underlying all aspects of aggression, there's some kind of distress. And when we approach somebody who has that distress with respect, um, we are likely to have greater results de-escalating that conflict. So the first element of universal respect is to listen. And the second is to lead by example. We, it, it's an act of violence to expect somebody to do something that we're not willing to do ourselves. And we all have aspects of distress in our lives. So the other uh, third 
element is to appeal to someone's higher angels, to, to appeal to their best instincts, and to really believe that they're capable of being a noble person, that they have that, that inner innocence, that inner nobility that they're born with, and we can draw that out through listening and, and being kind. Judgment. We're trying to get away from judgment. Right. But judgment's easy, isn't it, Mark? It is. And as I, <laughs> as I listen to Kate, what I hear, the word that comes to my mind is acceptance. Mm-hmm. And I think if we can at least strive toward unconditional acceptance, then we're more likely to have a meaningful dialogue. But boy, it's really easy yeah, I mean, to if point you're, the finger. If you feel like you're in, a, in danger, your self-protection goes into judgment. And right. it and how do you connect when you feel endangered? Right. So fight or flight is so is sort of a basic <laughs> biological response yeah. to an environment, and it's a quick response that's hostile. Now, if we're yeah. perceiving our environment as hostile when really it's not, mm-hmm. then we get into unintended consequences. And it doesn't mean we're bad people. It just means that we're not necessarily fully aware of what our um, what our beliefs are. I think those, so. Those, those, oh, those unconscious beliefs that guide us along a path. And it's not until we explore those beliefs and realize, boy, it's really easy for me to point the finger on Kate and say she's wrong. I have a different point of view. Rather than to open my heart to Kate and and listen. And listening is an, is it's not easy. We're not taught in the schools mm-hmm. how to listen. Mm-hmm. And it's not just about listening with our ears, but asking questions. And then following up with another question and then saying, okay, I don't really understand what you just said. Can you explain that to me further? No, 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 not that part, the other part. And engage in a conversation where it's back and forth rather than I have a point of view that that I'm seeking to impose upon you. And we can't take someone's behavior personally. We don't own anybody else's life, so we don't own their burdens. But we can stay present. I think that's so true, but then we also need to look at power differentials. Exactly. And and how do power differentials impact um, and how do we make change? Because we we do need to – I'm going to let Antonio have the last word because we're coming – I'm noticing I've got less than a minute. So, Antonio, I know you have something good for us. I think that the – thank you. The power differential is something that – I think Kate talked about development. Mm -hmm. All of what we are talking about is part of a developmental phases that we all go through. Some of us can listen better than others because we come from culture in which that was valid. But when that was not valid, we can learn. So we continue our learning process. And we continue our conversations. And we continue to find ways to get connected. And that's what we're all about on Connections Radio Show. And I always look forward to the time where I can bring our dream weavers uh, to our audience to be part of the conversation and thinking through how to make a world that has peace. It's possible. Let's make it happen. Thank you, Lori. Thank you.